to Menu Stories, a podcast where we get to know the stories about the people and restaurants behind the food we love. I'm your host, Rebecca Goberstein. Today, we hear the second half of the story of AQ and Mercer Restaurant Group, which began with episode 32. In that episode, co-owners Matt Semelhack and executive chef Mark Lieberman told us about their vision for San Francisco's AQ restaurant and the ecosystem that Mercer Restaurant Group is building. A big part of that ecosystem is farming, which the Mercer team has been doing in Cloverdale, a tiny town that's nearly 100 miles north of San Francisco. Though Cloverdale is located in Sonoma County, known as a major part of wine country, the town is proudly unpretentious and remains connected to its roots in both the railroad and the indigenous Pomo Indian community. Mercer Restaurant Group has laid down roots in this town, playing a big part in the community garden and introducing a bakery and restaurant in the heart of town. In this episode, Semmel Hack introduces us to the team that's helping the Mercer vision come to life. Ron Ferrato, the restaurant group's farming and agriculture expert, Blaine Nielsen, project manager, and Aaron Arabian, head baker. Let's have a listen as we experience the sights and sounds of Cloverdale. Since we're standing in the bakery right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So originally, when we first, we actually bought the property for the ranch, for Longview Ranch, uh, before signing lease to, to have this bakery. And my wife and I, in taking trips up to the property to check it out and in consideration of purchasing the land, uh, we drive through Cloverdale and literally take a right on Cloverdale Boulevard, go out First Street, and you go over River Road, and you go up Pine Mountain Road to where the property is. The thing that's missing here is a nice restaurant um, or a bakery or a cafe or something like that. And actually, even since we signed this lease, uh, two additional places have opened in town, which is great. And the idea was that if you wanted to open this, we have about 4,000 square feet here, if you wanted to open this size of restaurant in San Francisco, it'd be incredibly expensive. You'd have to be churning through every day. Uh, we really want this to be an approachable place that people can hang out a little bit and gather. Um, and if you want to have a bakery this size in San Francisco, you'd, you'd really have to be charging a lot of money for the bread. You'd have to be doing a huge amount of wholesale. Uh, people are familiar with Tartine Bakery, uh, very well known in, in San Francisco. It's tiny, and as a result, they you know they literally if you don't get if you're not one of the first people to get there at five o'clock, you're not going to get any bread, because they can't they can't make more. And I think they're expanding now, but I mean it's it's so expensive to have the square footage that you'd need to have a real production bakery in San Francisco. That the idea was that this would be one of the many little arms of our ecosystem of of food products for Mercer Restaurant Group, and will ultimately supply the restaurants in San Francisco with bread but also be kind of the anchor for uh, retail and restaurant here in Cloverdale. I think uh, another way to say it is that the community is desperate for something, and in a good way. I mean, they're just clawing at the doors for us to open, and we've had a very long, delayed construction process. And thankfully, it hasn't totally switched to angry that we're not open, but it's getting there, I think, at this point. And so people are just really excited, I think, to have a high-quality place that's not fast food, that is a, a nice, bright space to relax. There's a lot of, there's a good amount of people that are multi-generational Sonoma County families that are, that are in Cloverdale, and then there's also a big new contingent of people that have moved out of the city, whether they be you know, empty nesters or young couples that maybe it's too expensive, something like that. Um, Healdsburg is kind of the, the, the next biggest town that's about 15 minutes south, and a lot of people are moving out of Healdsburg due to cost of living there. I think there's also a very interesting dynamic between the agribusiness, which up here is vineyards primarily, but used to be orchard and apple and plums, and uh, know, Ron can probably add some more color there. But And it's spectacular produce um, that they used to grow here and, and amazing natural resources for that. But 
Uh, vineyards tend to be a little bit more glamorous, I think, and, and potentially more money-making. But money. And there's, there's definitely a very interesting, I think I quipped earlier that, you know, for the most part, we're being embraced. There is definitely a clash between the, you know, relatively blue-collar agriculture community and the fact that although, yes, we are doing some agriculture, it's intended for a high-end restaurant. Um, and the restaurant here in, in Cloverdale won't be particularly high-end, and, and we want it to be very approachable for everybody. But um, you know, I think to attract people from outside the region, it also has to be really interesting. And so that doesn't necessarily mean expensive, but it means that we have to use interesting produce and have high-quality products, good service, all, you know, all the typical things that, that you need to be a successful restaurant. And it's also what excites us. You know, I think having a, a casual place is great, but in order to draw talented chefs and, and even front-of-house people, you have to put out a good product and have it be worthwhile. We are not in the center of San Francisco here by any means, so finding um, you know, interested, excited staff is, is definitely going to be a challenge. My name is Aaron Arabian. I'm the head baker at Trading Post in Cloverdale. And I've been baking here for about a year. I came from San Francisco before this, so it's been a big change for me to be baking in a smaller town and particularly with the interaction with our customer base is very personal. I talk to pretty much all my customers every day. I recognize every face at this point. They're very not shy with their feedback and I like to please my customers so they ask for a rye or a certain bread. I'd love to do that if I can. As far as my ethos here, I think there's two things that I've been Holding up as a value, technical-wise, I would say um, use of natural yeast, which means no, not using commercial yeast exclusively, but it's called a sourdough starter. It gives you better flavor, but also it's much better for your digestion. So that coupled with using older varieties of flowers, such as spelt, einkorn, rye, essentially trying to avoid what we look at as commercial bread and give a more artisanal product not only gives you a more flavorful bread but is better on the digestion with all these gluten intolerances celiac disease i have been taking that more and more seriously and the customers really appreciate it this may be a small town but our customers are very very sophisticated and they know as much as i do sometimes about their food where it comes from the health aspect, the culinary aspect. The main difference between using wheat that was freshly harvested and freshly ground and commercial flours, even though we use high quality organic flour normally, the way it behaved, it was a little less predictable because of different bran content, ash content, but also, honestly, it was the flavor. There's a few tricks you have to learn when you're doing high amounts of whole wheat flour. Once you can get that in your repertoire, the variety of flavors, you get flavors, creamy, malty, nutty flavors in the wheat that are much more noticeable to even the layman. I mean, I don't think I have a particularly good palate, but using three different flowers from the local farm and getting to compare them was really, really exciting. So, hi. So I'm Blaine Nielsen, project manager for Mercer Restaurant Group. I was working, before I met Matt, I was working at like a small sandwich cafe slash restaurant in the marina. And uh, we were organic and I kind of, we really pushed like, you know, I, re I really was interested in where our food was coming from, you know, and so I started to, I was spending a lot of hours in the restaurant and not so connected to where everything was coming from, you know, like you see stuff come in and stuff go out. But the, the whole part of, wh so where did this come from? And so we're in this mecca of you know, Northern California where 
there's so many great farms and like is this indeed where our food is coming from and how is it uh, grown and who are the farmers and all that kind of stuff so I met Matt um, and he while I was still working at that restaurant we'd come up here uh, he showed me the town of Cloverdale and kind of explained to me his his vision of, uh, of the ranch which is so it's just up Pine Mountain Road and it's uh, it's 32 acres it'll combine a culinary retreat uh, maybe a wedding and events venue but also with a working farm and partly what I have fallen in love with is uh, the community up here and it's really it's really a great time like living in the city we get to drive up and we stop at Shed in Healdsburg, we stop at different uh, coffee shops on the way up and we kind of talk about, the, we see the growth and we talk about what, what we see Cloverdale. It's great that we have been embraced by this community and we can, can be, a, be a part of it. Yeah, for the most part. So, so that's, like my, that's my favorite aspect is getting to know people in the town. And then so in the meantime, hanging with Ron and you know, seeing, seeing exactly what he does at the community gardens that he runs, um, also at his place to develop the ranch. Grower chef, I guess, gardener chef for the Trading Post Market and for Matt and his group in San Francisco. And yeah, I pretty much explained it that uh, we're exploring what what grows, but what uh, traditionally they have conventional ideas of what to send to a restaurant. It used to be that you would only get a garlic clove. Well, farmers have a lot of garlic and they thin the garlic in the spring and they would pull what wasn't going to grow into a complete ball. In a home garden, you would use that. You'd make a pesto or you'd, you don't throw anything out. Well, someone's like, yeah, let's see if we can market this. And Rick Knoll and Brentwood decided, well, we started green garlic. Now green garlic is a known thing, but it always has been there. It's just that someone needed to make that jump from from farm to restaurants. And it's typically the restaurants that change what's in our supermarkets. The consumer doesn't know what they're, they're being exposed usually first by the restaurant. Yeah, so this garden that we're about to walk into, um, lovingly referred to as the Cloverdale Community Garden or the Community Garden Oasis, depending on who you talk to, is and was a just beautiful one acre of land. And you can see flowers out in front, and a lot of edible plants. And when we first came here, we saw it, and we're kind of surprised that it's a community garden, but there's a locked gate, and it said uh, private property. And so that seemed like a, you know, seemed like that didn't make a lot of sense to us. And so we looked into it, and I remember very clearly kind of strolling in, you know, jumped over the gate and strolled in, uh, and started chatting with this, with this woman that was here named Marty. And she was very outspoken about growing your own produce and how important that was, and also that it could be a beautiful part of the community, kind of amenity for the town, and we got very interested in that. And I uh, really liked the idea so much that we talked about getting a plot in the garden, and you know, kind of got focused on other things for a little while. But sure enough, about three months later, she got in touch and said, we're in trouble. The organization that pays for the insurance to allow us to garden on this property, which is somebody else's private property, is not renewing the insurance. And so the community garden's going to die. And can you do anything? <laughs> and we said, well, we, we've just signed a lease for a bakery across the street. Maybe we can jump in here. And so at that point, we were in touch with Ron and organized around that and decided that we would take on the insurance policy and basically lease the garden. We lease the garden for $1 a month and then collect, was it $20? 
40 or 80 per, per plot. Yeah, per, for the per year. year. And so community members can have their own little plot in the garden if they don't have one at home. There's some nice shared resources. There's a very small amount of water in Cloverdale, so they have to very carefully share the resources of water. Uh, there's a solar pump, and then also some knowledge that gets shared. And so on a weekly or monthly basis, the community garden members will get together, talk about what's in season, what's working, and also the best way to kind of like work together to make the garden beautiful and also productive. Like the, the first day that we took over the community garden and, and Ron was put in charge of managing it and managing the plots and, and also establishing our own plot, which is the back third of the space. Um, we have a great little like one second uh, iPhone video of him tearing out the sign from the ground that says, uh, it says community garden closed to the public or something like yeah. that. Which is just a totally oxymoronic idea, um, and it was, you know, kind of a, you know, a meaningful moment. We were like, okay, now this is going to be a real community garden where people can walk in, learn about what's growing here, learn what works, pick some produce, play with the chickens. The kids love to play with the chickens, and yeah, to see that, you know, you can grow your own produce uh, across the street from downtown. The front section is dedicated for the community. There's about 20 plots. This is our plot, so the transition is, is difficult. You've got, uh, you know, these are shallots that were planted in the fall. But here's a great idea. You, you get the scapes from the shallots. I don't think I have any, but here's one. Well, what the farmer would do is he needs to cut this because you want the garlic bulb to develop. Garlic bulb that you want to get, and the bigger the bulb, the better. You're going to cut this. Garlic greens have become a popular ingredient thanks to the idea of root-to-shoot cooking. But then the farmer would typically just throw this out. Well, you know, they cue, they're, I don't know, grilling, pickling, preserving, they're using this. Because the farmer's focused on this, but they don't realize that the whole plant can be used. So I've got those going. These will all come out, the shallots and the garlic, and the winter squash will take over. The other part about having 20 different farmers is everyone, everyone's got their own technique like with cooking. Um, but you, you get to see um, different ways of doing things like, I mean, some of these trellising ideas for the tomatoes with the bamboo. I mean, I've never seen, it's beautiful and it works and, uh, you know, be, it's being exposed to other people. Um, that's what's fun. And some people choose to grow really interesting things. This guy, Jeremy, is like, <laughs> he's experimenting with, with grains. Um, he does a lot of medicinal herbs that he gets uh, from his acupuncturist friend. And I mean, half the stuff, I don't even really know what it is, but uh, it's good to be exposed to it. And then families, they're out with their kids doing the three sisters with the, uh, the, the, the corn and the beans and the squash. That was the sound of hens sitting in the hen house, laying eggs in 100 degree weather in Cloverdale's community garden. We certainly didn't envy them, but they were quick to take care of business. You're listening to Menu Stories, and we'll be right back with part two of the story of AQ and Mercer Restaurant Group with Matt Semelhack, Ron Ferrato, Blaine Nielsen, and Aaron Arabian. very early stages of developing the ranch. It's, it's raw land, we've added a well, 
We've added uh, uh, irrigation to one part, which will be an orchard eventually. We planted, over the last two years, we planted 250 trees um, of very different varietals. And so if this was a commercial orchard, this would be the worst, worst poorly planned commercial orchard ever <laughs> because there's 250 trees and I want to say like 90 varietals of plums and apples and pears and figs. And so, you know, normally you'd say like, okay, we're going to grow brown turkey figs or we're going to grow mission figs or we're going to be a fig farm. Hi. We are actually not open today, unfortunately. <laughs> Sorry. 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 Tuesday, Tuesday. So, uh, you know, normally in a commercial farm, or you have like an almond farm, right? And you'd have 100 acres of almonds. And this is like the opposite, the least efficient way to grow anything. And most likely, some of these things will fail. But in that sense, it's very experimental. We're trying to figure out, I think in this first, this first five years, and we're two, two years in now, trying to figure out what grows. And that's what we talk about with Ron all the time. We don't say, okay, Ron, we need 20 pounds of this kind of carrot and 30 pounds of these potatoes and these two types of blackberries. It's kind of like, okay, Ron, grow whatever you can. <laughs> and once we figure that out, uh, we'll, we'll go from there. And I think it's, it's a luxury to have that at our disposal from our restaurant group, but it's incredibly hard work. You know, it's not this like bountiful tons and tons of crops all the time. It's, you gotta work with the, Ron can talk more about this, but you gotta work with the seasons. It's 104 degrees today. You know, like there's, there's challenges. <laughs> finished with our solar little shed is that's where we're putting in our batteries in the solar well system so we'll walk past that for yeah. your own watering for our own watering yeah, yeah. there's always a problem watering is I think the biggest challenge it's always it's always going something's always going wrong and there's just not enough water in the state we moved to the ranch which is located up the hill from trading post bakery and the Cloverdale community garden as we drive up Pine Mountain, we get glimpses of the sweeping views of wine country. Just as we were about to reach the ranch property, we pass a golf cart overflowing with dogs and the ranch's next door neighbors on the narrow mountain road, the owners and inhabitants of Soliden, an eco-retreat founded by Swedish designers. They quickly invite us to tour their beautiful property, so we decide to take a little detour. Oh, wow, okay. And so we're featuring AQ and the Mercer Restaurant Group. And so right. they took us up to their ranch and farm. Right, right. And they were telling us about you, their okay. ranch neighbors. So okay. Can you share a little bit about... Sure. You know, Jamie's he's a way better talker than I am. Okay, sure. So, Jamie. Yeah. What was your name again? Sorry. Rebecca. Rebecca, yeah. Rebecca has some questions. You're a better talker than I am. Maybe I have answers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we're with Menu Stories, which is a podcast and multimedia storytelling site about uh -huh. restaurants and food stuff. So we oh, have cool. Mercer Restaurant Group and AQ on it, which is why we're out Fantastic. here. Fantastic. How yeah. cool. So they were telling us a little bit about your, our, their neighbors. So can you share? Just Let's go to the shade here. Yeah, let me grab sure. a beer and I'll be right there. Okay, great. Yeah, we started this uh, property about three and a half years ago, and we've just been slowly improving infrastructure and uh, placing in a lot of stone fruit trees and 130-year-old olive trees that came from the Hearst estate over in Palermo. Some of the first cultivated olives that weren't Spanish. And we've been slowly uh, developing this sort of a community of, of friends that get together, and some people stay for months, some people stay for days. When people come together, we eat good food under the stars, and uh, we just appreciate really kind of how rare this kind of environment is. Back to the task at hand and the point of this episode. 
We get back into Matt's truck and keep going up the road. We arrive to a grove on the side of Pine Mountain where Mercer is starting to grow different varieties of fruit trees. There's also a beehive which produces honey for Trading Post Bakery and Mercer's other restaurants, but the property itself is just getting started. So uh, when we bought the property, it was called uh, Quail Mountain Ranch, and you'll see a lot of quail as you drive up. But uh, we renamed it Longview Ranch because there's a spectacular view from most of the property. It's all facing south, which is great for growing. Um, but also because we kind of have this long view of what it could be and what it could be for the community and also for the restaurant group. Um, I mean, we're literally planting trees now that we hope to get fruit from in five years. <laughs> so it's, it's a lot of long-term planning. So there's two meanings behind it. We took a walk over to the beehive part of the ranch and were impressed at how organized everybody was. You can literally see them all coming like right down here. And they'll all go in one place. But you see this little lineup. And same thing on the way out. You'll see their legs are covered in pollen, the ones that are going in. But it's pretty awesome. So we planted these all, and it was really interesting, a very steep learning curve of, you know, what we can grow um, and also what you need to have to grow. So you can plant 10 different varietals of plums, but if you don't have the one that pollinates all of them, none of them will fruit. And so we, we worked with uh, Harmony Nursery down in Sebastopol. Uh, they have a great staff there that kind of advised us what would work. And so even though we have 250 trees, we only have doubles of a few actual varietals. And so, again, very inefficient from a commercial growing point of view, but really exciting for the kitchen. And so, whereas, you know, in a commercial growers, they'd want to have all of one type and grow as many as they can, and then they're the, you know, they're the best Santa Rosa plum farm, right? We are really growing it for our own restaurants, which means that having a huge variety and small, small amounts of each one is what we're after. These are some really young fig leaves that would be on the end of the, of the sprouts here. Um, grab one of those and just give it like a little crunch between your teeth. Matt has us try chewing on the leaves from the fig tree. We're hesitant at first, but decide to go for it. Don't eat it, but just like gnaw down on it. Oh yeah. And tell me what flavor that is. It's a little different for everybody, but... Very figgy. It's kind of bitter. Anything else? Mm -hmm. Oniony and peach? Fake peach. There's one really specific one that usually after you tell people they say, oh yeah, that's what yeah, it is, but... What is that? So that was a, a, a really big, <laughs> important, like, first Ron moment. Um, where he's like, have you tried chewing on the, the immature fig leaves? He's like, no, Ron, I haven't tried chewing on them. <laughs> we talked about the idea of trying to exclusively have herbs and spices from California. And there's a huge amount of things that you get elsewhere. Um, I mean, be it Szechuan peppercorns or cinnamon or whatever else that, some of those things you're not gonna be able to get from California, but is there a way to replace that same use with something that's local? And it's a huge amount of work, um, but it, it came from the, uh, you know, Ron planting a bunch of things and bringing them down to San Francisco and realizing, okay, we have these 10 bunches of this unusual heirloom chrysanthemum. <laughs> what can we do with this? You know, and, and it, it, it was never, Okay, hey Ron, we need we need a bunch of bulbs of garlic. Can you grow them? It was kind of like, what can you grow? And now bring it to San Francisco. We'll figure out what to do with it. I mean, I, I don't think 
anybody thinks that farming is easy, but doing this very specific, trying to find heirloom varietals of things, trying to use all the parts of everything is, is a whole other challenge in its own way. So we're, we'll figure it out as we go. Matt's right. I don't think any one of us thinks that farming is easy. It's impressive to see what the Mercer team is building, and it all started five years ago with the opening of a restaurant in Soma. If you haven't already, listen to episode 32 to get the first half of the story. You can visit AQ on Mission and 7th in San Francisco, and Trading Post Bakery is on the corner of East 1st Street at South Cloverdale Boulevard in Cloverdale, California. Learn more about Mercer Restaurant Group on their website at mercerrestaurantgroup.com. We have a lot of exciting new episodes lined up for you on Menu Stories, so stay tuned and subscribe to Menu Stories on menustories.com. You can listen on our website, iTunes, and SoundCloud, and be sure to find us on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and Instagram. Special thanks to Monica Lowe, our very first contributing photographer who snapped most of the beautiful photos for this episode. Also special thanks to Suska Marcus, who assisted with the audio editing for this episode, and Menu Stories videographer Patrick Wong. I'm your host, Rebecca Goberstein, and until next time, happy eating.